0: How is this stuff being brought to the internet? Like who puts it out there? Can anybody do it? So had mom and dad take me up to Barnes and Noble and ask a guy, I was like, look, I want to know how people are putting stuff on the internet. And he's like, what the hell are you talking about? Kid?
1: <laughs> this is the Future Self-Estate Planning Podcast. Your place for financial and estate planning tips and so much more. To make your future self your biggest fan. He's your host, Robert Ingalls. All right, all right. Hello, Future Self listeners. Welcome to episode eight of the Future Self podcast, where every episode is intended to provide you with actionable advice that you can implement in your life today to get you from where you are to where you want to be. And with that goal in mind, I will be compiling knowledge, insight, and inspiration from some of the most accomplished minds and serving it up every Friday. And like I said last week, our listenership is increasing every week, and that means that you're finding value here, and you believe that it's going to bring value to other people. And and I'm jazzed about that. So again, thank you for spreading the word. That's how I keep doing what I'm doing. If this is your first time listening, and you're digging what you hear, and I know that you are, (laughs) um, then hit that subscribe button. Head on over to the iTunes store. Uh, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, whatever streaming service it is that you use and leave me a rating. Let me know how you feel about the show. I want to take this moment at the beginning of the show to give a quick shout out to our book winners over the past two weeks. We have Emmy from Kinston, North Carolina, who got one of my favorite books. It's called The Power of Habit, and they dissect how habits are formed in that book, and it gives you a really good idea on how to use habits in your life uh, to create success. Then we have Michael from Houston, Texas, who got a copy of Simon Sinek's killer TED talk turned Start With Why. That's a good one. Pick that one up. And then last week, Jason from Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, got my personal copy of Extreme Ownership. And this is a book that was penned by two battle season Navy SEALs. And it's one of the best books on leadership ever written. Well, at least that I have ever read to this point. So I want to thank everyone that entered over the last two weeks. And as always, you can find links to any of those books in the episode show notes or on the blog. Okay, future self-listeners, are you ready to break into today's show? You've got hopes, dreams, and desires, and I desperately want to see those hopes become your history and those big thoughts you're having today become things. That's why each episode is packed with actionable advice that you can implement in your life today to get you one step closer to making those dreams a reality. And if you are looking to take your life from where it is to where you want it to be, you cannot find a better mentor than today's guest. He is the epitome of the hard work and hustle lifestyle. Long before he sported the most recognizable face and beard... In the Charlotte startup scene, today's guest was launching his first web hosting company in 1998 at the tender age of 14. By age 16, he was running the IT department of a stock brokerage firm. Eschewing conventional wisdom at every turn, today's guest chose the Richard Branson Road Less Traveled, and at 18 years old, opted to stay in the workforce instead of joining most of his peers at a four-year school. He is living proof that the effort you're willing to exert is far more important than and the path you take to get there. Clearly, that decision paid off. By 2012, he'd built the number one web design firm in North America, according to London-based company Which Web Design. He's developed and marketed his own Bitcoin course. So, if you've ever wondered what exactly a Bitcoin is, now you know where to turn. Currently, he spends his days as an associate with Sierra Meyer Maya 360, and that's an early stage venture capital fund. And he also serves as director of growth at Millennium Search LLC, and that's a top-tier boutique executive firm, executive search firm. When he's not busy clearly taking over the world, you can find him pouring his soul into mentoring aspiring entrepreneurs in a number of local programs. He also serves as the director for the Charlotte chapter of Startup Grind, a global startup community powered by Google for Entrepreneurs. It is my pleasure to introduce the man that has appeared in CBS Money, Yahoo Finance, the Boston Globe, International Business Times, and the San Francisco Times, one of the most dapper gentlemen you will ever meet, Mr. Jeff Brokaw. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you. You had no idea what a badass you were, did you? I didn't. You made me sound way cooler than what I am. So. Oh, I disagree, but that is my job. <laughs> All right, man. So we heard some of the highlights. What are you up to right now? I am up to
0: a typical day. Um, spend about 90% of my time in the VC world. Um, you mentioned CRMI 360. We are an early stage um, venture capital firm. So we are in the process of raising our second fund, Um of course, as we all know, raising money is uh, not always easy, but uh, we're over halfway there, $100 million fund. So Right on. So when you say early stage, what
1: exactly does that mean?
0: So we are a lot more aggressive than most VCs. We will go into a seed round or a Series A round. So most VCs don't like getting in a little later um, to a company. Let's say they have 25 employees. They're profitable. They're making millions of dollars. We're willing to take those risks that a lot of other VCs will not. Um, typically only angel investors or friends and families will do that. So we're looking for uh, Ubers before anybody heard of Uber. I mean, isn't everybody, but we're actually going behind that. We're, we're investing in these companies that uh, a lot of other VCs won't touch.
1: Sure. So I would expect in, in when you're getting in early like that, you're going to need a good degree of uh, foresight. What is it that you look for early on to try to be able to make that determination? Like, you know, you're putting up a lot of money into someone who, you know, they're in an early stage. They haven't really got a maybe fully developed product that anyone else is ready to fund yet. How do you make that decision? So there's a couple
0: things. Um, The biggest thing we look for is a founder. Um, we want somebody who's going to work day and night. If they need a pivot, they'll, they'll pivot. They need to take advice. They need to take criticism. Um, we don't want somebody who's a know-it-all because nobody is. So sure. We uh, we definitely want to go, um, like I said, that's probably 60% of what we're looking for is great founders, even if it's a team. But we want somebody that's coachable. uh You mentioned the name CRMI 360, where 360 comes in, we're unlike a lot of other VCs. So we're not just going to sit there and stroke a check. We're going to add value. So if they need help with marketing, if they need help with uh, CTO help, we we have somebody like that. If they need Hollywood Connections, we can help with that um, for their brand to get more exposure. We want to give them the whole 360 degree value proposition to give them the best chance to succeed. It's going to help them and it's going to help our portfolio as well.
1: Right on. So how long have you been with Sierra Maya? I've been with them
0: uh, just a little over a year now.
1: Right on. Liking it so far? Yeah.
0: Oh, it's not <laughs> to like it. They're, you're looking at early stage companies, you're meeting uh, cool founders, and yeah, just learning about all the new companies before anybody else really knows about them. So love it.
1: Yeah, right on. Uh, so a number of our listeners are aspiring entrepreneurs or either early, you know, very early stage entrepreneurs. And as someone who's a bit more seasoned in the industry, um, take us through kind of a general week in your life
0: that, that's a tough question because no two weeks are the same um typically we're we're talking to uh anywhere from twenty to thirty companies a week trying to find the next hottest things anywhere from doesn't matter if it's San francisco North carolina China europe we don't care um, we want to find the hottest things for that um so i'll just go back to this week um Monday night, I taught a class for a Charlotte company called Tech Talent South about how to raise funding from six to nine p.m. That was just during the night. Um, Tuesday night, I was with a guy who was pitching last night at a uh, startup contest called Center City Labs. Um, great con, uh, great company. If you haven't heard of them, great incubator. They're helping young African American males um, build companies. So worked with him Tuesday night, so he'd be ready for his pitch last night. Last night. Uh, went and watched him pitch he won a couple thousand dollars so boom yeah turned out well so excited for the way the week has gone and tonight after we finish recording this i will be celebrating
1: my anniversary dinner so oh, congratulations thank you how many years are we at we're at nine Woo-hoo. lucky well, her yeah well, <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I'm i just got past the one year mark man what's the secret I, I think the secret's in our hand it's uh it's a nice glass of
0: uh bourbon no nice, i'm just nice kidding yeah you, you, you have to have an understanding wife i mean uh Not too many women out there and wives would be able to put up with what we do. Not that it's bad, but being gone all the time. You know, last night I'm out till 11 p.m. I don't see her. She's already asleep when I get home. Uh, It's tough on the kids, but they all understand they're very supportive. So you you need to have that supporting cast behind you.
1: Yeah, and and I hear that. I've got the same thing in my house. I mean, some nights, like, she's already starting to stir in the morning, um, and I'm still in here trying to grind away. And, I mean, that's rare, but at the same time, you know, uh, it happens. Yeah. And it's just part of the business. Like you got a deadline, you don't miss your deadlines. Of course. Uh, so without your customers, you don't have anything. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, so we're kind of close to the same age. We we're certainly both teenagers during the dot-com boom. Uh, and this was well before the idea of being connected at all times was seriously contemplated. I mean, most people didn't even have cell phones when we were in high school. And a number of voices really thought that the internet was just going to be a fad. So what did you see at 14 years old? Like, what did you see differently? What were you looking at?
0: Well, it, it's definitely no insight that I had. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I grew up, uh, for anybody who knows the Charlotte area, I grew up in Ballantyne before it was Ballantine. We couldn't get cable TV until
1: 1996.
0: <laughs> my It was the country. Oh, yeah, it was the country. I had nobody in my neighborhood in my age range. So I had to find something to do. Hmm. So we, and of course you remember this, every magazine you got in the mail every day, you would get a little floppy disk with AOL. Oh yeah, five hours, man. Yeah. I think my first one online with AOL was five hours. Yeah.
1: I was like, man, five hours, that's so much time. That's
0: so much. <laughs> I mean, we might be able to download a half a picture in that time. Yeah, yeah. It, it's amazing. Yeah,
1: I could do a lot of chatting.
0: Yeah, of course. And that's all it was when we signed up. Yeah, AOL 1.0, it was chat rooms. There weren't even
1: yeah. websites per se. I, I don't know if there was anything else to do because all I did was go into a chat room. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, I had, you know, and then you know, a couple years later, I had a GeoCities account. That was kind of a big deal. Oh, yeah. And you know? then the the Angel Fire was pretty big back then, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, you were spending a lot of time doing that. How did that transition into a company? Well, I was instantly intrigued
0: by the whole concept of the internet. And obviously, at 14 years old, I didn't have any hindsight saying this is going to be the next big thing. It was honestly out of pure boredom. Right, um, It gave me something to do. But as I dug into that, um, I was wondering, well, how are these sites made? They started finally to be on AOL 2.0, 3.0, I think it was. There was finally websites where you could go into a browser bar, at least do an AOL search, and 10 things would pop up. And I was <laughs> like, how is this stuff being brought to the Internet? Like, who puts it out there? Can anybody do it? So had Mom and Dad take me up to Barnes & Noble and asked the guy. I was like, look, I want to know how people are putting stuff on the Internet. And he's like, what the hell are you talking about, kid? (laughs) I'm like, no, dude, there's got to be something. Take me to your computer section. So I found a big yellow HTML book. Of course, there's no YouTube. There's no coding courses, any of that. Um, And I brought it home. And I tested it. I want to say it was on. So I taught myself basic HTML, then a little bit of Java, JavaScript, some C++, um, was just an uber nerd. Didn't tell anybody at school about it because I was kind of, you know, not to pelt myself on the back, but I was kind of cool at school. At, at an least. image. Yeah, at an image. And if people knew that I was at home doing all this, I would be like, oh, man, what's that do for my thing? Because it wasn't cool to be a nerd back then. So uh did that. And then uh, one restaurant that we went to all the time, I was like, hey, can I make you guys a website? Let me just do it for you. Buy the domain name, whatever. Did that. And... Then one of the managers there, he's like, "Well, I got a side business. Will you build me another website for? I think it was like four hundred and fifty bucks." It's like, shit. That's, that's so
1: much money. That's a
0: lot of money. That's you know.
1: Um, that was like a month worth of pay for me at that time.
0: <laughs> well, I was fourteen, so that was like a year's worth of pay, unless it was Christmas time. So, yeah, it was great. So I figured that out, and then, kind of in the back of my mind, I was like, "Well, I'm paying this other company." to host a website so what is a web host so of course you can't really search that stuff mom dad take me back up to barnes and noble hey hey guy remember me show me your books about web hosting kid i don't know what the hell you're talking about there's a computer section you know where it is so (laughs) dug through the books and kind of figured out how it works i was like well it's just a computer so tried building my own server at the house didn't really work um finally found a guy in Arizona, and I still remember it to this day. His name was Roman Bayer. I don't know why that just came up. It came to me. I haven't spoke to him since I was probably 15, 16 years old. And he was an Uber nerd. had a, He sent me pictures, had giant server rooms, like basements full of them. And he's like, look, I'll lease you one out. And I was like, all right, cool. For a 100 bucks a month, he's like, you could probably host 50 websites on this. I was like, okay. So if I sell these for ten dollars each, that's four hundred dollars a month in recurring revenue. Yeah. No problem. So I founded a uh company. It was called VirtueServer.com. dot com. You could find any dot com back then. If one regret, the I would have kept old them days. all. Oh yeah. Man. Everything was available on a Dot com. You didn't even have to look at the dot net dot orgs. Now you're looking at like dot me or worse than that. So yeah,
1: yeah. I think I read recently that there's no four four-letter words in the English language left, with a .com or .net. That's ridiculous.
0: Everybody, I mean, all the bots have just gone and bought them up. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I did that. Figured that out. Um, figured out how to get some customers, some recurring revenue, and had a. Uh, Got my first official bank account, credit card processor, and you're, yeah, at fourteen years old. You're setting up like LLCs. Yeah, <laughs> with the help of my father and stuff. But sure. yeah, um, but of course, you know, doing credit card payments wasn't like it is now. So I would have to manually put a reminder in QuickBooks. I had QuickBooks '95, and uh, would have to manually go and type in the customer's credit card through the processor and when they initially paid they would have to call and do it over the phone right you gotta call like the president of the bank you um, know (laughs) they would well no they would call me the customers and i think some of them thought i was probably a girl i don't know if i I dropped
1: completely then so yeah yeah i used to get that all the time because my mom ran a uh a business. Uh, she did taxes, mm-hmm. and so nine months out of the year, she only worked one day a week at that business. So all the calls came to the house, and we'd always have to answer the phone with the name of the business. Whoever answered, it yeah. had to answer the name of the business. No caller ID. Oh, and there was no caller ID. And and yeah, I got a lot of mams, a lot of mams. And then when it finally started dropping, I was like, Yeah, ah,
0: I've only gotten one ma'am this week. Mar- That's a win.
1: <laughs> I'm a man.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of how it went from there. Dude, right on. Um, So then, you know, take us. So at 16 years old now, you are the IT guy at a brokerage firm. And as we all know, or anyone who's worked in any large business of any kind knows that the IT guy runs shit. And, you know, did you face any unique challenges as a 16 year old in not only an adult world, but in kind of a high-stakes, aggressive environment of a brokerage firm. Well, the first unique challenge was me getting the foot in the door for the interview.
0: Sure. My dad was friends with a uh, guy. We're at home eating dinner one night, and uh, he says something. He's talking to my mom, I think, and, hey, met this really cool guy at the coffee shop. So my dad's kind of been an entrepreneur his whole life. Starbucks on East Boulevard, and when that was Caribou, it's now Mayo Bird. Sorry for the non-Charlotte people. Um, (laughs) He actually paid to have phone jacks installed at both of those places, and he paid the uh, monthly fee so he could have internet. There was no Wi-Fi back then. So he could use it himself? Yeah. Love it. So he did that. So he actually paid a monthly bill to Caribou and to Starbucks coffee for his phone lines. I
1: like to hang out
0: here. Can I put internet in? Yeah. And they were like, cool. Yeah, pay the bill. So... He figured all that out, but he would always talk every day. That was his office, so he was like, hey, I met so-and-so at the coffee shop, so he's telling my mom, yeah, I met this really cool guy. He has a stock brokerage firm. He was telling me what all he does, and then he's like, yeah, he's looking to hire an IT guy, and I was like, hmm. I was like, Dad, get me an interview. He's like, what the hell are you talking about? I was like, just come on. He's like, no, he wants a guy with a four-year degree and this and that, all these requirements. I was like, just get me in front of him he's like no so finally i I don't remember all the details but i think pretty much he's like here's his phone number you call him you stole the phone number for me if anything comes up i was like no problem Call the dude up and he's like what i was like just let me come out there so go out there and i was like look i'll work i don't care give me two weeks i'll work for free i'll do everything you need me to do and it was very simple stuff. It was daily backups of the servers. There was, uh, I want to say, 12 locations that I managed from Florida to Tennessee. Um, but th- we had the server room there. They were at least online because they were a brokerage firm. Every night I just had to take a backup, and it looked like a VHS tape. Do that, pop it in, pop it out. And I worked there for a week or two, and he was like, all right, you got a job. And it was awesome. I was, you know, had my own giant office i had a secretary which was amazing i was like this is so cool i kind of felt bad though because she was in her 60s probably i'm like i'm some punk little 16 year old and but yeah it, you have a it was secretary really that's fun
1: four times older than you are yeah
0: yeah essentially god i never thought of it that way <laughs> uh, yeah so did that but i mean honestly it back then in 98 90% of the time, I was like, Have you reset your computer? My printer doesn't work. Have you reset it? Oh, I didn't think of that. Chef, you're a genius. So it was a much older demographic. You mean just
1: turn it off and yeah. turn it back on again? <laughs> How did you do that?
0: So um, I think the next youngest guy at the office, if I recall, was early 40s. Okay. But they were all super cool. Like they took me under their wing. Um, I was a bad kid that smoked cigarettes at 16, so they'd all be like, Jeff, come, come smoke, come out on a cigarette break. Let's talk. Let's go out to lunch. And I was trying to learn from them because I got interested in finance, stocks, and all that. So they taught me a lot of cool stuff, and they were picking my brain like, hey, I got this computer at the house. So it was it was a really good time um, until they went out of business about a year later, and everybody jokes
1: because they made bad decisions by hiring 16-year-olds like me. But ah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot more fun than what I was doing. I was working at Hardy's at 16 years old. Uh, my mom demanded I get a job. I was cutting grass too, but she demanded I get a job and I was like, well, what can I do? That's like kind of the lowest, uh, the easiest thing. Well, easy is very subjective, but, um, like, what's the thing I can just kind of go do? And they really wouldn't fire me either. Like, you can do whatever you want at Hardee's, and they're like, "Yeah, hey, we still need people <laughs> to work here. Um, just get us a body. Yeah, so that's what I was doing at, at uh, 16. Well, I delivered pizzas a year after that at night, so. Oh, nice. See, I did that the year after I graduated in Nag's Head. That was a good time. Just all yeah. I did is it's sit, a party. sit on the beach all day and deliver pizza at night. Yep. Yeah.
0: I think a pizza delivery guy is just a party job like it, crazy. Yeah,
1: it really was. And then when you deliver pizza at the beach, people are always partying that you're bringing pizza too. And then they're like, come on in a party. And you're like, eh, I got nowhere to be. <laughs> <laughs> Next guy will get this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, dude, obviously most of us weren't creating, you know, companies our freshman year of high school. Um and I know you—you know—you said a moment ago that you didn't really have any insight, but obviously you had a hustler's attitude. You told us that, you know, you're begging your dad to get a phone call with a guy so you can go work in their server room. Was there any moment, like in your life, that you can kind of look back on where it just kind of clicked, where you're like, I, I want to do something bigger? Because I, I mean, mean, that's that's aggressive. I, I think it's always been in my DNA.
0: Um, God, the first, I can't remember which job was first, but, and I use the term job loosely, but at seven years old, as I mentioned, we kind of lived out in the boonies, but it was a neighborhood that was being developed. My dad bought the land and developed all that. So I was homeschooled at the time. We had one of those tractors with the, uh, pull behind like little, uh, what do you call it? Little wagon or whatever you pull behind. So I got the bright idea of going to Sam's Club, buying Coke. And I was like, well, if I make lemonade, that's even bigger profit margin. So we'll go and sell it to all the construction workers, 50 cents for a Coke or whatever the price was. Here's chips. Then I got the idea. I was like, well, what if I go to a different restaurant? Maybe it's going to be McDonald's and this day. And they all write down their order. And I just charge them like $2 to go and have my mom driving or my sister or whatever. And then Tuesday, sub day." And we'll go to subway, get the orders, and I started doing that, and I was just always trying to make money on my own because you can't make money seven, eight, nine, ten years old, you can't go to a job and right no one's going to hire you yeah it, w- w- I don't think that's legal unless we go you know <laughs> halfway across the world, but um, so I think it's just always been one of those things that I wanted to figure out a way to earn money on my own. And I would do whatever it took to uh, try and accomplish that.
1: Yeah, I can appreciate that. I, I was—I uh, didn't—I never did the lemonade thing because we were in kind of a rural area, yeah. where we didn't really have that. Um, but I, I did uh, try my hand at a number of things. Uh, one of my early, one of my earliest businesses, I would set up our VCRs. And I am I hope that the statute of limitations is wrong I was, on this. I,
0: I know where this is going. But, yeah,
1: I would set up our two VCRs, and every movie we'd rent, I'd record it on another tape, and then I would rent it to my friends. Um, you know, sometimes they were R-rated movies, and that kind of shut down my business when... The parents found it. You know, yeah, yeah, I was renting movies, to, you know, yeah, that, that shut the whole business down. But, I mean, it was a nice little way to make money, um, so I, did, I was always doing stuff like that. Did you at least put Be kind, Please Rewind on all them? Or? I didn't, but I put my name on them, which in retrospect... You should have had a nickname. That's needed, what's... Yeah, yeah, I should have. Big R's.
0: <laughs> yeah. Big R's, Big R's movies. R's.
1: <laughs> Big R's bids. <laughs> um, we had pecan trees behind our house at one point, and I was like, I'm going to make a million dollars selling these pecans. Well, it turns out pecans aren't that expensive. And people aren't willing to pay you that much for them. So I got bored with that pretty quickly, too.
0: Well, After uh, the the neighborhood went up, I actually made... This is so embarrassing. I don't think I've ever said this out loud or publicly. Oh, right. Yeah, so something new. I made potholders. And because we had a lot of older people in the neighborhood, I was like, hey, do you want to buy potholders? Like, 4th of July, I would do red, white, and blue. Dude,
1: know your demographic. I love it. And
0: then for the men, I would had Jeff's Shiny Shoes, it was called. And I would do shoe shining. For them. Fantastic. Pick them up, and it was twenty four hour return time. So. Nice.
1: Dude, that's killer. Some of them smelled like shit though, those shoes. Oh, I, I sure still remember that. that. <laughs> that's how we earn our keep. Yep. All right. Well, yeah, let's go back to to what you're kind of doing day to day. As an early stage investor, you've always got your finger on the pulse of the technology world. Um so when you're listening to a pitch or reviewing a plan, what are the big things that you want to see? before you even think about cracking open the company's checkbook?
0: A, I don't want to see a plan. No investor wants to see a plan. Everybody gets flooded with too many things. Nobody has time to read 50-page of BS projections. That don't mean anything. Right, what's um, a projection?
1: It, yeah. It's just a guess. Yeah,
0: it's a guess. So I'd rather see that in five slides on a deck or ten slides and see, okay, that's still BS. But no, we're, we're really looking for, uh, at least us personally, cutting edge tech, cutting edge technology what we think the future is going to be um so for example drones three four years ago when nobody was really messing with them we had started hearing about drones wanted to get into that space boom invested in a company i think it was worth about 25 million then now it's about a $300 $300 million company. Um, it's kind of exploded. Nice. More recently, we've looked at esports, um, professional video game players, as crazy as it sounds. It's-
1: no, it, and that's the thing. Like, our parents were so wrong. You know, all I wanted to do was play video games. And they were like, you need to go outside. And I'm like, no, I don't need to go outside. Nothing out there yeah. is going to make me the kind of money I can make in here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they didn't know. But at the same time, who would have thought you could make millions of dollars doing nothing but playing a who video Who would have game? thought there's 200 colleges giving scholarships now for playing video games? Ridiculous. I didn't even know that this was a thing until about a year ago. But, you know, you have the streaming services where people will, Twitch. you know, yeah, Twitch. Yep. And then I have a good buddy uh, that I went to school with growing up, and he runs a, a company called Disco Melee and they're uh, essentially a competitor to Twitch and people will pay other people just to play video games and watch them yep
0: yeah and we're not not talking about 10, 20 dollars here we're talking about millions of millions for some of the top ranked guys crazy and here's a stat to blow your mind there are more hours streamed
1: per month on Twitch than Netflix worldwide stop it people are watching more video games than they are house of cards than Netflix that's crazy yeah how about that I mean, I mean, it makes sense because I did. I, spend a, I spent a lot of my middle school and high school watching other people play video games. And it was fun. Yeah. You know, like eight guys in a room, four, only four can play Bond at a time. Yeah, then that was the first one. I think Bond's the one that really sent it
0: off. And you're not allowed to be short round because that's just not fair.
1: Yeah, exactly. What was his name? Uh, Odd Job. Or Odd Job. i yeah, want to yeah. call him short Because he's short I'm thinking
0: Indiana Jones. Yeah. Yes, Odd Job. That's who I meant.
1: <laughs> you're right. Bastard, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you shot me in the knee again. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we played a lot of that. Yeah, we did, too. That was
0: summers upon summers, all-night-long marathons. Yeah. So. Fucking
1: Good screen time. watcher.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> all right, Jeff, to the listener at home that's just getting their legs under them, maybe they've you know kind of started a skeleton business plan. They're just considering courting investors. What advice do you give them?
0: So the first thing, and this is what it goes back to kind of your previous question. The thing that turns me off the most is when somebody has says we have no competition. So if you're pitching to us and we're like, what's your competition? Every investor is going to ask you that. And you say none. It means one or two things and neither are good. One, you have not done your research. Um, I had a pitch last week, we'll name names, and uh, somebody's <laughs> like, I have no competition. We're on a phone call. I'm on the phone. Within 30 seconds, I'd found five competitors by just Googling, like the most simplest phrase. like, I've done months right. and months of research. Like,
1: you're on the phone with me, an investor, a potential investor, and you yeah. haven't done a Google and search.
0: And guess who's never getting a phone call again. Sure. And so the flip side of that is if there is no competition unless it's just something crazy where i've invented a flying monkey that you can ride on the back of that takes you from here to australia in two hours i'll invest in that all right yeah let's do it we're working on that (laughs) after this um there's usually a reason there's no competition or at least something similar because your idea is shit right so definitely do your research um don't talk to your mom and dad and grandma and grandpa who are going to be, oh, Timmy, I'd love the idea. Um, you know, you want to do, even if it's a survey monkey, go on Reddit without giving up too much information. Reddit message boards, because those guys who hide behind a screen, they will be more brutal to you than anybody, which is sometimes a good thing. Sure. Roast um, me, you
1: know. Exactly. That's a good Reddit <laughs> thread too. It's my favorite one. Brutal. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd ever put myself on there. I don't. I might try that right now. I think you. Yeah. Well, actually, that's what we'll do. We're gonna have Jeff, and uh, as soon as we get done here, we're gonna put up a roast me sign, and then we're gonna come back to you with what happens on that. I'm looking forward to this. Um, I might need a little more bourbon in my belly. Oh, we've got plenty. <laughs> um, we've got a bit more to talk about too. Uh, so you had a lot of success early on. Did you ever feel any pressure from that, like you were competing against yourself at any point?
0: Yeah, and I wouldn't even call it success. like it all sounds good on paper, but I mean, honestly, the money was never that great. I was working for the next big thing. Um, so it was just trying to figure out what made me happy. Um, you know, and I never really got out of mentioned this before when we were talking about the web hosting and all that stuff, I got tired of it after a year. Um, If I still would have held that domain, I mean, I'm not even kidding. It could have competed or been bigger than GoDaddy, but it wasn't fun to me anymore, and I I didn't know at the time either. Well, sure, but, you don't have the foresight to know, hey, this is a billion-dollar business. Yeah, but it, it wasn't fun to me. So um, I think that's been the biggest challenge is finding something to do that I enjoy that doesn't feel like work all the time.
1: Dude, every, yeah, that's exactly. Every day I'm trying to figure out what it is I can do today that's going to be exciting, novel, and not feel like work. Yep. So and, far I'm doing pretty good. And, and don't get me wrong.
0: I have no problem being up at 6 a.m. every day and work until midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., five six seven days a week i'm cool with that yeah as long as what i do i love what you know as long as i'm loving what i'm working on or loving what i'm doing it doesn't feel like you're working of course and and i'm lucky enough to be kind of at that point right now 95 percent of the time yeah um of course there is some like real kind of work stuff you have to do from time to time but yeah
1: i mean that's just the way it goes that's that's being an adult yep so, yeah, my stepdad told me something when I was young, he said, you know, if you find a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Yep. And, you know, it just sounds like old people advice when you're young, but as I, the older I got and the more shitty jobs that I had, um, I started to really take that advice. And over the last few years I've been working for myself and it is, I mean, it's pretty terrifying sometimes cause you are, you're, you know, you're always, you're dependent a on yourself to make the money and you're always kind of looking for that next thing. But at the same time, you know, when you work those 18 hour days, you go to bed with that, you know, satisfaction that everything you did was for you. And it's just fun when yeah. you're doing something new and interesting. So, no, wholeheartedly agree with that.
0: I, I caught myself <laughs> telling my 13 year old daughter yesterday uh, one of the lines that my mom and dad, and I was like, oh, that's old people talk. I forgot what it was. Oh, the older you get, the faster time goes or something. Yeah. And I said that to her yesterday. I was like, Oh
1: fuck. Oh, That's, it's happening. Yeah. It's happening. I'm an old man now. Yeah, we are the old man, but they're all truisms that as a kid, you're like, I don't understand any yeah. of this. And then you get older and you're then like, all oh, Papa knew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So one of the things I like to talk about, um, pretty frequently is, is setting mindful goals. Obviously you were working hard. You had some kind of larger goal, but was it a goal You know, I'm talking when you were young, 14, 15 years old. Was it a goal you actually sat and thought about that you had put words to?
0: Yes and no. Um, There wasn't a clear-cut goal that said when I'm 32 years old, I want to be doing venture capital and startup grind and mentoring and advising, whatever the case may be. You know, just kind of having my hands in a bunch of little um, different things. But I did know that I wanted to do something on my own. I didn't want to be told what to wear, what I have to do, when I have to wake up. I wanted that to be my choice. It's not going to be you're going to punch in at 9, you're going to leave at 5. I kind of want to be able to live life. Yeah. Um, so I guarantee you I'm working probably 10 times more than I would be, again, if I had a regular 9 to 5, but it doesn't feel like work. A hundred percent. Yeah.
1: Like when you're stamping that clock, you just sit there. You know, you're just... It's all like. I worked at e uh, um, e-discovery job for a while when I first got out of law school. And basically it's a sweatshop um, for attorneys. And your days, you just, you go in and you're just, it's milestones all day. It's milestones. It's like, okay, mid-morning break. All right, lunchtime. Yes. I get to like go out on the street and like eat some food. And then, you know, you come back in, you sit back down and you're just waiting on 5.30, six o'clock, whatever time you're going home that day. And I did that for almost a year. And I was like, never again. Like it's such a brutal way to live your life, and after you work a sixty-hour week like that, you, you know, you're so beat and you're just mentally exhausted. But you know, you work a sixty-hour week for yourself—that's a normal week. Oh, that's a short. That's a yeah. That's a half week right yeah, there. Yeah, you're gonna go live that's, your life. It's a part-time and job. It, it's a very different feeling. It's very liberating. Yeah. So uh, I'm with you there. So as far as goal setting goes, like, is that a process you use today? Like, when you know, do you have goals in your life right this second that you you know write down? and you know create systems to get to i do have a few that i've written down actually have some of my calendar
0: that are set um now that you remind me i forgot <laughs> about it. i probably put on my google calendar four or five years ago but they're more milestones right um places i want to be i haven't set the clear path to get there um i like to live everything day by day and i just believe in bust your ass and good stuff will happen be right good on. to people and good
1: stuff will happen to you right on i oh, know i hear that absolutely you know but go out there make it happen. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm with you. Develop those good relationships as well. And and last thing on
0: that point, um one thing that uh Gary Vaynerchuk says that I do agree with. Gary V. Gary V. <laughs> um I've talked to some people who were kind of lukewarm on this. Some hate it, some love it. I'm a believer in it, and he always says do it's a 51-49 rule. Do 51% for others, 49% to your for yourself
1: and good things will happen. Yeah. And, I, I love that as well. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely more of a goal setter myself um, because I, you know, for years I had done that whole just kind of plugging away and I am terrible at holding myself to a standard. Um, if I don't have some kind of structure that I build around myself, you know, if I can look and say, oh, I have an hour I can slack off, I am going to slack off. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way I've been able to combat that is, you know, if you look at my calendar, like right now, my calendar says, interviewing Jeff Brokaw. And mine says sitting with Rob yeah. equals to be <laughs> inter- interviewed, so... There you go. Um, but like in the mornings, like I know what I'm doing between 7 and 7.30 mm-hmm. um, because one of my biggest problems was I would commit to doing these things in my life and then I didn't have any... Um, I didn't have anything on me. Like I didn't need to get it done. I was like, eh, I don't want to do it. You know, should I go to the gym at 6 a.m.? I'm, I'm in bed. I am swaddled in paradise right now. Like I don't want to leave. And so the way I was able to really get past that, instead of having to make that difficult decision every single, you know, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, which is the days I try to like to go to the gym instead of doing that now it's on the calendar. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I go to the gym on Monday. Is it Monday? I go to the gym today. I don't get up and make that decision anymore. And and so that's kind of the way I've treated my small goals and my big goals. Um, because without that kind of structure in my life, I am terrible. Now,
0: and, and I'm the same way with that. I just thought you meant more long term. Oh, so. right. No, no. And I don't want to steal your thunder with this. Um, if you were going to ask something about this later. But as I mentioned before, today's my anniversary. I didn't realize. Woo-woo. Thank you. Did not realize it was until I saw my father tag me in a Facebook post like nine years ago today, Jeff's wedding. And I was Aww. like, oh shit, it was not on my calendar. <laughs> I didn't even look at the date. If I would have seen the date, I would have known, but I just went straight to, okay, yeah. here's the agenda today, 6.30 to 7.30 this, so on and so forth, right. boom, boom, boom. And then, yeah, luckily I saved myself before my old wife made it into the office about five minutes before she walked in, I
1: nice. called her up. But she's like, pretty much, I'm surprised you remembered to even call. So I got points just oh, for that. And I assume she'll never hear this um, because I, I don't know if your wife's like mine, but I can't imagine my wife hops in her car and she's like, you know what I need to hear more of? My husband's voice. <laughs> you know, I think she gets plenty. I'm definitely the chatty one in our relationship. Yep. Um, yeah, so I, I make her ears bleed. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so that's, um, you know, for long and short term, that's that's how I've done it. Um, And and I found that by breaking it down to those 30 minute increments Mm -hmm. and I kind of scale it the whole way up to like, what am I doing this year? And I'm actually like I just started setting goals last year and I'm coming up on my one year anniversary of like year goals that I made. Um, and it's kind of scary. And I pretty much hit most of the ones that I had written down. I mean, so I mean, Jeff broke being on your podcast. You can cross that one off for right now. I didn't even have that, that was that one. The number one. That wasn't even scheduled till January either. Okay. So yeah. I was like, so you're Shit, crushing man. the goals, crushing the goals. <laughs> um, no, I decided I was going to learn to play guitar again. And you know, I'm not going to be playing on stage, uh, you know, any Stevie Ray Vaughan anytime soon. Uh, but I mean, I can certainly pick it up and hold a rhythm now. Um, yeah. So that was the year, you know, one of those year goals. Uh, I want to get um, you know gain fluency in Spanish because we want to move to Costa Rica in uh, you know probably around three years. And uh, I'm not fluent yet, but I can certainly like when they're talk when people are talking, I can you know I'm I'm on it. Um, so now it's the time to make a, another set of year goals next month. So that's a little scary as well. So have you thought about those? A little bit. One of them, and this is going to sound ridiculous, but it means a lot to me. One of them is handwriting. Penmanship. Dude, if you saw mine, it's so bad. Not to go off on a tangent. No, go ahead.
0: My daughter's teacher. She gets a note home. I don't know. A couple years ago. Don't remember exactly what it said, but pretty much in a nutshell, we think your daughter is forging signatures. <laughs> no, sorry, that is my handwriting because hers is ten times better. But I guess that's what happens when you're a nerd and you're teenagers, and then you just typed all day.
1: Yeah. You know, like I, I, I just never had good handwriting, and then we started being able to type, and it's it's just so bad. Like my print is almost illegible. If it's been too long since I write something down, I have trouble reading my own writing, and, and that's unacceptable. Did, so, did you ever learn how to do a cursive Z? You know, they taught me um i do the happy gilmore
0: style i think it was her, billy madison honestly
1: i gotta tell you i don't even know if i could really even remember to write in cursive right i now. couldn't
0: i could put i can write my first and last name and that any other letter yeah don't ask me yeah if you got a gun to my head just just shoot me now
1: yeah. like my signature is a cursive r mm-hmm. with a circle around That's, it and and i don't think anyone else knows it's a cursive r either <laughs> um but yeah you so tell yourself she, that yeah yeah um so, yeah, penmanship is, is one of the big ones for next year. I told my mom that, and she laughed like at me, and I was like, thanks for the support, Ma. <laughs> um, but I think I can do it. They have iPad apps and stuff like that. Do they? Uh, yeah. I need to look at Handwriting into iPad apps. I looked into it when I first decided, because I was like, you know, about six months ago, I was like, I need to think about what I want to do yeah. next year. And handwriting was at the top of the list. So they have some apps, and it, I guess it, like, you know, guides your pen with you. So you're kind of like doing the right things and holding the pen right. I don't know. It's a whole thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm legitimately embarrassed for anybody to see mine. That's not even a joke. If I was self conscious about anything, that would probably be top three.
1: Yeah. I mean, mine's pretty bad too. Um, it, it was always like that. So do you have any routines that you go through every day? Um, like in the morning, do you have kind of like, you know, this is what I do when I get out of bed, th- this, this, this? Yeah, for the most part,
0: um, of course, unless it's uh, something pops up. But I check so at night before I go to bed, I check my calendar, um, of course, so I know kind of get mentally prepped for the next day. Um, one of the last things I do before I go to sleep, wake up in the morning, and I do that. I try my hardest not to go onto social media. Try my hardest, but. Um, I, I still do it sometimes, which is bad. But what I've done to counter that is I really just have business stuff on there. Yeah. Um, so I don't check my Facebook. The only reason I saw it this morning is because I was tagged and I got an alert. But my Twitter is just strictly business. So I don't feel bad going on Twitter and you know LinkedIn, I'll check just because I get a lot of messages through there.
1: Yeah, there's never a lot of extraneous time spent on LinkedIn.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, People you're just not going on there. Yeah, you're not <laughs> going to get lost in LinkedIn. It's actually one of those sites like, damn it, get me off this yeah, yeah. thing as quick as yeah. possible. Hurry. So, um, but yeah, it's usually I'll spend the first thirty minutes checking emails, making sure there's nothing urgent. Sure. So if I see there's nothing urgent, I'll just go ahead and. Uh, filter through the emails and I have an app that will say, okay, remind me in 24 hours, 48 hours a week. And I'll just kind of set priorities. So I don't forget to respond to anybody. Um, set all that. And then I'll get to my calendar. And just like you said, if I don't have meetings set up for the morning, I will have, okay, you need a knock out, whether it's editing a website, reviewing pitch decks, um, Whatever the case may be, I'll set those goals the night before and review them the next day. So I try and do that, and um, I've gotten so bad where if I know I'm going to be in front of the computer most of the day, I'll actually have an alert go off, take a break for 15 minutes.
1: Yeah. Um, Get up, walk
0: around. Yeah, walk around, and I'll go outside if I'm working out of the house or if I'm working at my office at the uh, NC Music Factory. I'll just go for a walk and do whatever so yeah
1: i'm the same way you know especially now that i've gotten you know into well into my 30s now you know if i sit like i mean there's been some days where i think i probably sit i get up use the restroom grab a bite to eat but i'm sitting there 12 hours straight and then you try to get up and walk after that and do anything and go about your life and you're just so stiff and you're like this is not good for me yeah you know, um, so uh, yeah, I, I try to do the same thing every hour, hour and a half, 90 yep. minutes. Usually I try to pop up and get around. Uh, so as far as your routine goes, do you have any apps that you use to kind of keep things running smoothly? Any do's a pretty good one. Um, that's also
0: again for reminders for that. Um, but besides that, uh, the, the main apps I used are besides my email and social media is podcast. Love listening to podcast. Um, great background noise um to listen to when you're working but so and, other than
1: this podcast which ones uh, are your your favorites that you're going to just like
0: with work it just depends on what the mood i'm in so i could go from anywhere from the 20 minute vc which is a good one to the a16z which is Andreessen and horowitz uh very huge venture capital firm which i'm sure most of your listeners have heard of um to joe rogan to you mentioned bill bird uh
1: how are you?
0: How are you? <laughs> Anytime I can do that. <laughs> um, Tim Ferriss. It depends on the four-hour work week. It kind of depends on his yeah. guest, but you know he has right. some good ones on there. There's so again, it's I'll listen to anything. It's just like with music. People ask what I listen to. Anything but gospel. Right. Pretty much. Um, if you saw my Pandora, my XM stations programmed in my car, you're like. Hang on. What, what are you? What do you listen to? You go from like shady
1: to it's classical. Some nice like, eclectic yeah. mix. Yep. You're a big family man. I know that. How are you handling that work life balance? Sometimes. I know you said your wife's okay. You know your family understands, but how how are you kind of compartmentalizing things so you make sure that you're spending the time you need to spend with them? Facetime is your friend. Social media. Um, and
0: it's gotten and it's gotten to the point where. My daughter and I, and it's more so for jokes, like Sunday afternoon if we're sitting on the couch, and especially when football season starts up in a few weeks, that's like our time, and that's daddy-daughter time. Uh, My son, who's 11, my daughter's 13, he'll sit there and watch it, but he's not as involved in the football. He's a uh, football fan. Football. Football. Chelsea Chelsea FC. Yeah, I'm mildly aware of the rules, but... You kick the ball in the net. That's what, yeah, that's what I know. And you yeah. flop, and you get magic spray, and yeah, the magic yeah. spray makes everything better. So if paramedics <laughs> carried that around, I mean, there need would need to be, go to the hospital. Yeah, you would never. You could break your neck and be broken in half. They just spray that on you, and you're good. But, yeah, um, yeah so social media. I mean, we text back and forth all day, and um, we talk, we FaceTime, so. It's good. They they understand it, and again, it it takes a uh, special support system as far as spouse, like we talked about before, and family to kind of understand it. So it's good, you know. We work hard, and then uh, we try and have some fun. I try and at least set Saturday or Sunday aside, one or the other. So I try and work six days a week usually. Um, if I'm really lucky, I'll do five, and we'll just hang out and have a blast all day from wake up until, you know, sun up to sundown and we'll just, we don't set agendas. We'll just wake up and they'll be like, dad, where are we going? I don't know. We're driving. Let's wait till we see something
1: cool to yeah, do. See where the road takes us. Yep, exactly. I love that. All right. Now a lot of people see the success you've had and they might think that it's easy for you. Hey, you started a business at 14. You know, they see all that stuff on paper. Um, you know, you were managing people while you were still, you know, not even 18 years old you know, they have to think you must be different. You must have something special. What do you say to that?
0: Well, what I'll say to that is they haven't seen all the bad times. I mean, I've had houses foreclosed in the last three to four years just because I was putting everything into business and I was so focused. And again, it's that support system. My wife's like, don't worry, you got this. We'll figure it out. We got another place. But I mean, I've literally lost houses. I've been Hey, what are we going to pay this month? We're going to pay the power of the car. So, yeah, um, it's a lot of sacrifice. So, it's not all. It's
1: that unsexy side people
0: aren't seeing. Yeah. And so, and honestly, yeah, I guess on paper it looks successful, but I don't think I'm any different than anybody else. I haven't had that billion dollar exit, you know. I still put my pants on two legs at a time. Oh, just kidding. One (laughs) down. Jump in them. I I jump in my pants like everybody else, but no. um, (laughs) No, it it takes a lot of hard work, and I think the biggest thing is and what really helped me in uh, my career is stop trying to do everything on my own. That was my biggest setback in my 20s. I was like, I don't need any help. I can just figure it out, sit behind a computer all day, and um, everything will be good, and I'll just... I'll work enough hours. I'll get it done. Yep. And it doesn't work that way. You have to go when everything started turning around for the better is when I started networking with the community and asking for help and saying, you know what, this guy's a lot smarter than me. I need to hang out with him. And this guy's a lot smarter than me. I need to hang out with him.
1: It sounds a lot like you're talking about getting mentors.
0: Exactly. It's kind of going that way. So, um, the happiest I can be in a business setting is if I'm the dumbest person in the room.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: I love that more yeah. than anything. And we've
1: talked about that on this podcast before. If you're the smartest person there, you need to find a better room. Yep,
0: exactly. And you have, if you have a bunch of yes men that sit there and agree with you or yes women, um, it's bullshit. It's not going to help you get anywhere. And it's kind of like what I want... Uh, said before when you were talking about advice for early stage entrepreneurs if you're sitting there talking to your grandma and your aunt sally he's like oh timmy that's a great idea you're so smart you're so smart and he's like oh yeah i got the next facebook i got the next facebook (laughs) it's gonna make me billions and yeah you you don't want that you want people who are going to be real to you because they care about you and they want you to succeed so i don't care what city you're in um what country you're in you can find a meetup group you can probably find a startup grind chapter or another comparable meetup and i don't care how shy you are what your issue is get out there and start talking to people and network
1: dude i love that so i think and i I know this i run into enough people when i'm networking that some people are they're just shy people yeah and they're having trouble connecting with a mentor what advice would you give them Grow some balls. I
0: mean, no, I I know that's horrible advice, and I'll elaborate. But if you would have known me even 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I was pretty much one of the shyest people in the room. I couldn't imagine doing this. I couldn't imagine going in front of Startup Grind and um, talking in front of 50, 100, 200 folks, whatever the crowd brings that time, and going and teaching classes and speaking at universities now. um, And so it's just one of those things I grew out of it and I kind of learned it and just went out there and I was like you know what I don't give a shit what I sound like people make fun of my voice they can make fun of whatever I could care less so um, we're well, out of that and, and, and,
1: and let's be real you didn't grow out of it so much as you just kept doing it yeah I just don't give a shit anymore well you just do it enough it's like anything else man it's discipline practice yep. you gotta go out there you gotta get uncomfortable and you gotta do the things <laughs> um, I talked about this last week it's funny that you say that Um, I was a very shy kid. I got, you know, in fourth grade, I got a zero on a book report for a book I read, mind you. And because I just, I couldn't bear the thought of standing in front of the classroom and talking to my peers. Um, and, and that went on for years, but the same, the same way I just, I knew ultimately what I wanted to do. I, I love talking to people. I love connecting with other people and forming relationships and I knew I wanted to do that and I was like I got to figure out you just got to do it and and you're right. At the end of the day, get some balls or some ovaries or whatever yeah. it is. Um, but just muster it up and get uncomfortable for five seconds. And you were homeschooled in the fourth grade, too, weren't you? I was not. I'm just I'm
0: <laughs> That would be,
1: that would be I worse. I don't want to talk in front of Yeah, I, I don't know, my i a little uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, um, so
0: seriously, just go out there, go to these groups. Um, you're not going to go up and say, hey, will you be my mentor? But just talk to people. And, um, yeah, I mean, people are cool, especially... I like to think in this space, the entrepreneur space, everybody's been there. It's not like when you're going to work on Wall Street and it's everybody for themselves is cutthroat. As entrepreneurs, you want to see other businesses succeed. You want to help people because there's not really a class, a university that's going to teach you everything that you're going to learn, as far as I know. I mean, I don't know that firsthand, but um, from what I've read... You're not going to learn it all. You're going to learn it on the streets, over half of it, being out there in real-world experiences. So you just need to go out there, and if you can't do it or, and it just scares you, well, maybe this isn't the right path for you.
1: I hear that. I hope you're listening because you are getting served golden nuggets of wisdom today. Go out there and do it. Show up. Be interested. If you're not willing to do that, I think he's right. This may not be for you. And don't just expect someone to take you under their wing and give you the keys to the kingdom. Uh, there's a quote that I really like. Stop looking for angels and start looking for angles. No one's going to give it to you. You've got to put into the work. you got to put the work into it. And when you want something from someone, always think, what can I do for them first? Jeff said that earlier. Always come from an angle of providing value before anything else. It doesn't have to be big. It can be as simple as learning about them, learn what they do, show some genuine interest. And I can promise you that is value to them. When someone approaches me and they have read something I've written, they've seen me speak before, and they have a genuine interest in who I am and what I do. And then they want to learn from me. And it's not just because they want to figure out what they can get me to do for them. That's value to me because I'm resonating with someone else. So you know, it all comes down to that. If you don't think that you can provide value for someone else, you're wrong. You just haven't found the right way. Yep. How about this? I've received incredible feedback from the book, um, the giveaways that we've done. And because I really, really genuinely want to see each and every one of you succeed, I love hearing the stories that you send me every week. It's very inspirational. And mentors are such an important path to success. I'm going to give away two free. 15 minute coaching sessions with me this week. The same thing we do for the book giveaways, register by texting the word future to 444-999. Again, that's future to 444-999. And you're going to get signed up for the mailing list and two listeners are going to get uh, are going to get a 15 minute session with me to discuss my proven strategies for getting high quality mentors immediately. And now, when I do these coachings on the side, these 15 minute introductory sessions are $99. So this is a great opportunity to get some immensely valuable strategies that you can implement immediately. That is going to bring us to the point in the show that we call the future self skinny minute. And it's way more than a minute. And it's going to give us an opportunity with a series of semi rapid fire questions to get the skinny on you and what makes you tick. All right. Ready for that? I'm ready. All right. Who is your favorite business person or entrepreneur? Elon Musk. Yeah, that's it's it's almost an easy one. I mean, I feel that's cliche, but the dude's going to take over the world. He's Iron Man, dude. You're so right. Um, Have you read his biography yet? Yes. Yeah, killer nuts. Yeah, I'll link that in the show notes. You got to read it. uh, Another thing to put in the show notes: Have you seen that infographic? That's that
0: starts his life um, from age six. There's this giant ass infographic. I can send it to you. It's his whole life, and it's so quick and it's just amazing all the adversity he
1: went through what he's done yeah send that to us we'll link that in the show notes yeah, too do that fantastic um and i love what he's doing with um you know obviously the whole Mars thing that's that's very nifty i love it but what he's doing with uh, self-driving technology automated vehicles like that cannot come fast enough i am so passionate about that uh subject I was in a really severe accident in high school and I mean I walked away from it somehow I mean you know I've got some scars but ultimately you know we were going 90 miles an hour and we rolled the car three times and I wasn't wearing a seatbelt but you know over 30,000 people every year die in an automobile accident they leave their house to go get groceries and they never come home mm-hmm. and in a society like ours we, the technology exists to do this it is unacceptable that we're not doing it yet um, so I love what Tesla's doing. They're just jumping up and they're not, you know, it's not futuristic anymore. They're making it happen.
0: And if you haven't seen, um, he announced, I think it was earlier this week, that within five years, he'll have the semis on the road, um, full semis and then buses That's within fantastic. five years. And Pittsburgh, I think it's Uber Pittsburgh, this month starts self-driving cars.
1: Wow. Yes. That is fantastic. You know, I, I understand the hit that the economy could take by, you know, truck drivers being out of work, but that's that's progress. Um, you know, it, either you figure it out or you don't. Yeah. Because, you know, progress is going to win no matter what. Yeah. I mean, it
0: sucks. I hate putting somebody out of work, but if Elon doesn't do it, somebody else is going to. Yeah. A lot of, and it's safer.
1: Yeah. A, a, you know, there was a number of guys who probably bought a thousand horses in, you know, 1902. Yep. Uh, that's life. Yep. So <laughs> do you have any quote do you have one quote that really resonates with you? One in Rome. <laughs> <laughs> I like that.
0: No. Um, I mean honestly, don't be an asshole.
1: Yeah.
0: I like that quote. I don't know who it's by, it's by everybody, damn, but whatever. don't
1: be an asshole. Those are good words. You know, treat everyone around you. I mean, it goes back to the same thing. Yeah. Treat everyone around you the way you want to be treated. You know, the world would be a lot better place um what is your I'm gonna dig deep here what is your biggest professional disappointment? There's been uh, quite a few of them um,
0: and well actually I shouldn't th- say there's been quite a few uh, I'm gonna go the other way because the more I think about it and I've meditated on this and thought about it there hasn't really been a disappointment there's been learning experiences I love that reframe it all right so no disappointments. There's been learning experiences. What's I mean, been
1: one of your best learning experiences?
0: One of the best learning experiences is um, raising money for a company that I co-founded um, with uh, Matthew Warsman, partner of mine. And we still have a business together, or a couple actually. And he helps out with Startup Grind, as you do. Um, so you know him well. We had a uh, funder, and I won't go too long on it. Long story short, we raised uh, some money for a company We rushed into bed with this investor, um, gave him too much power of the company. He could veto our voting rights, and he pretty much drove the business into the ground. So when you're going out there, this is more good advice. When you get to the point, um, anybody listening or you know somebody, you're looking to raise. I don't care if you're trying to raise $10,000 or $100 million. You need to vet the investor just as much as they vet you. And we tell people that, too. When we have... People coming to us for money, we're like, hey, make sure we're the right match for you, because this is like a marriage. We're getting married. We're not writing you a check and just saying, okay, bye. See, we'll never talk to you again. No, we need this to work. So um, yeah, when the honeymoon's over, you still got to roll over and it, look at me for years. Yes, exactly. So yeah, I think it's that uh, is definitely picking the right investor and not just rushing
1: to the first person who. Dangles a nice big fat check in front of your face. I think that's great advice too, because it's an easy thing to do. You know, you got an idea, you're pumped about it, and someone's going to give you money for it. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I think that's take your time, figure out who you're getting into bed with before you get in bed. All right. You can pick one person, living or dead, to spend an hour with. Who is it, and why? Mine just went dirty. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, <laughs> I did not go that way. I did. Nice. I like it. Well, I've
0: already had you. So, number two, since we're sitting next to each <laughs> other. Boom. Living or dead. Wow.
1: Yeah, it's a tough question. Because actually, is. when I wrote it today, I asked myself that. And I was like, ah, shit, I don't know. My, my first thought, and I'll tell you just why you're giving it a second to think. My first thought, because I was just like, I got to get to it quickly, was Carl Sagan. Um, just an I interesting guy. That. He was kind of way ahead of his time with his thought processes. Um, and I just thought he'd be a really interesting fellow. If you've ever watched any of those old Cosmos episodes, yeah. a really interesting dude to sit and chat with.
0: Yeah. I, I, I don't know why, but I'm thinking, uh, Henry Ford. Okay. I, I don't know the reason to that. So I mean, he invented. Yeah. Know, I mean, I do know the reason. But changed the world in a very meaningful way. Yeah, he did. But I know I'm gonna we're gonna hit end, and I'm gonna get in the car and be like, shit, I should have said that. So yeah, yeah I, th- no, I think it's Henry
1: Ford. I know there's no right or wrong, but on That's at, tough. You know, I'm but, gonna I'm gonna ponder on that. Yeah, it's a tough one, man. If you haven't actually thought about it before, because that's why I said I sat down and I thought. I'm like, I I don't know. And it's such a cliche
0: question, so I should think I should be able to answer it. But you'll yeah, be ready next tough. time. yep
1: All right. Uh, What did 10-year-old Jeff think that he would be doing today?
0: Not, hmm, I, I would say what I'm doing now. Not necessarily in the profession, but I would not being told when to wake up, what I have to do, where I have to be. How I have
1: to act when I get older, no one's going to tell me what to do. Exactly. I, love it. <laughs> I do love that. I'm sure I told my mom that a lot of times and, and I, w- I would, I would, mean, I remember telling them, um, you know, well, you know, my stepdad would always told me you always have to answer to somebody, even the president answers to somebody. And I'm like, well, who does he answer to? Because I want to be that person. The first lady. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, and I was I I don't want to answer I don't want to have a boss. Um, of course I didn't, you know, think about the fact that I'd have to like sit down and do my own accounting, you know, at night. But yeah, you take the good with the bad, right? Yep. All right. What is one piece of advice you would give that ten year old if you could?
0: Get mentors much earlier. Ask for help. Don't think you can do it all on your own. Killer. Absolutely. Get mentors. I that would have been me five years ago or six years ago. If I could have given myself that advice. Yeah.
1: Get mentors. Yeah, It's just, I mean, these are people that if you can get these relationships, right. I know we talked about it a moment ago, but these are relationships that are going to be lifelong. These people are going to, you know, if you can get the right ones are going to take a vested interest in your success. I mean, it's almost like a, you know, parent child relationship. When you succeed, they feel like they've succeeded. I mean, I don't know if we mentioned this on the air before
0: we went off, but, uh, Pitch contest last night, uh, guy that I've been helping for twelve weeks came in third place, won two grand. Um, and I helped out another company last year; he got first place. Um, but it's great. I mean, I'm working with these dudes. Who are coming to my house on the weekends. We're getting together. We're talking late at night, and I take a very big invested interest because I love what they're doing. I love their passion. I love their hustle. Want to help in any way? And it's almost—I didn't get teary-eyed, but. You know, that, that's probably the closest I have been. Last night, just seeing like, man, 12 weeks ago, it was such a mess. Kind of the pitchy idea, and look how much been pivoted yeah. and all that time. So I love
1: it. Yeah. Hey, I'm weepy, brother. This is a safe space. <laughs> um, if our listeners could read only one more book before striking out into the cold, cruel world, what is it and why?
0: Again, that's a tough question because, as I mentioned numerous times, I'm so ADD. (laughs) I listen to a lot of books. Um, The last one I had, and I just had it on there. Uh, But it's been so many podcasts lately. So um, there's one by Peter Thiel. It is Zero to One. Yeah. That's a good one. It is Um, really, really good. But, again, um, I just can't focus for hours and hours to... Listen to a book, read a book. It's so much easier for me to read articles. I'm a huge article reader. I read a hundred articles a day. I just want to know the latest like, stuff, what's going on today. Quick servings. Yes.
1: So yeah, I'm I'm very much into audiobooks and podcasts too. Yeah, podcasts. And, and one of the things I talk about a lot that's helped me get a lot more information in. It might help you if you're ADD. Is put it on two X. And that way, you know, if you listen for five minutes, you're getting ten. Yep. Um, So once you start drifting, at least you got twice as much information. And I I just use the term ADD. I'm sure I
0: am. I've never been tested. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure I got to be.
1: I don't pay attention well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And because music is one of my true passions in life, do you have any records that you turn on when you need to get shit done? I do.
0: Um, There's such a variety. Anything from some CCR? Right on. Yeah, love some CCR. You mentioned Pearl Jam before. Um, Big Pearl Jam fan. Um, I'm a 90s child, so I would say if I had to stick, I'll just stick it down to a station or a genre. Yeah. Um, Like I said, I listen to everything, but 90s music, specifically 90s alternative, and then some uh, 90s rap right yeah, yeah. I, I like some of that old school stuff uh, no, i don't like the new stuff that the kids listen to these days yeah i mean i couldn't name one like rock band probably in the last 10 years get off my lawn yeah get off my
1: lawn <laughs> with your drake and <laughs> your drake and your <laughs> common or no common's old yeah. so yeah yeah i actually went through a pock phase uh like i don't know a month ago i was just feeling it it's all yeah. i've listened to for like a week Yep. Yeah. um i was like oh 16 again yes sir Oh, right on. Well, listeners, we're going to put all of uh, the books that we discussed, uh, Zero to One, um, any other books we discussed are going to be right in the show notes for us. Jeff, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us today. Where can the listeners find you?
0: Um, Twitter.com forward slash Jeff Brokaw. LinkedIn.com. I think it's forward slash Jeff Brokaw. Type in Jeff Brokaw. Just Google Jeff Brokaw and... Any bad stuff that pops up, that's another Jeff Bro call. Yeah, Google yeah. Jeff Bro call. Startup grind, uh, Charlotte. Startup so. grind,
1: Charlotte. Yep, right on, Jeff. I really appreciate you having you here, man. Yeah, thank now, you. Now, future self listeners, you have heard this before. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And you just got to spend some time with Mr. Jeff Brokaw. Now, I encourage you to get out there and meet some new people, form some new relationships. And if you want more than you have right now, you have got to do more than you are doing right now. Get outside your comfort zone. Going back to last week's episode, Jeff is a shining example of what we discussed. You do not need to spend years of your life in the classroom. It's not the only way. No amount of school can teach you how to hustle. And remember, the multitude of free and inexpensive resources that we discussed last week, you can learn virtually anything you want for free. Khan Academy, Code Academy, Udemy iTunes University now the show does have an affiliate relationship with Udemy but I have that relationship because they are absolutely one of my personal favorites I have person purchased dozens of courses from them. Do you like Gary Vaynerchuk we talked about earlier? Most people do. Um, do you wish that you could figure out how he built his brand? You can directly from his mouth on Udemy. Udemy turns the doers into teachers. It turns your laptops and your mobile devices into classrooms. And if the course is too expensive right now, just be patient. Udemy runs great sales on the majority of courses on a regular basis. Uh, I would say at least once or twice, you know, once or twice a month, you're gonna get a 50% discount on almost any course. And then you look at things like Kindle Unlimited, which is the World's biggest bookshelf. It's a great learning resource for very, very inexpensive price. And as you can always find these links in our show notes and on the blog post, future self listener, I want to sincerely thank you for spending some time with us today. If you've got something you want to talk about, do not hesitate to shoot me an email. I'm getting more every week and I respond to every single one of them. I love hearing from you and I love hearing your amazing stories of success. I hope you got as much value today out of the episode as I did. I had a blast. Until next Friday, my friends, get out there and do something that your future self is going to thank you for. You've been listening to the Future Self Estate Planning Podcast. If you're serious about planning for the future, then we have exactly what you need. Check out our website at www.ingleslawfirm.com for more actionable estate planning content and grab your free copy of our ebook, Six Things You Need to Know Before Making a Will or Living Trust. Thanks for listening. Now, get out there and give your future self something to cheer about. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, and Pinterest at Ingalls Law.